Are you listening to the award-winning CBJRadio.com yet? 28 different shows. Over 55 hours of new programming every week. Shows range from rock shows to all independent artist shows to hip-hop shows to an 80s show. And a Friday night request show. Get yourself a CBJ Radio t-shirt and make CBJRadio.com the only internet radio station you listen to. All my friends, all my friends, all my friends with Justin Flaskerud. All my friends, all my friends, all my friends with Justin Flaskerud. Hello, friends. How you doing? It's uh, winter time here in Laramie, Wyoming. Our start's a bit early compared to the rest of the country, and... Uh, it's snowing right now as I record this. So uh, for all you living in those warm climate areas, I'm jealous of you right now. Um, I'm not ready for a winter yet, but I know where I live. So I got my, my parka, my warm coat, my hat, my scarves, all that good stuff. So I'll be ready. I just never am truly dying to see snow. Now I started watching a Netflix show called I'm a Stalker. And I can't imagine stalking anyone or being stalked. First of all, I'm not cool enough to be stalked. And there's not a person on this planet that would get the free space in my head or worth the effort that these stalkers give to their victims on this show. Not to give away any spoilers, but these stalkers don't think of themselves as stalkers and mostly tell their stories from prison for stalking. Now, docu-cruiseries, docu-series on streaming platforms have definitely exposed me to parts of society that I've never really thought about. And I also watch them for video production styles. I really do hate the walk and talk and then cut to the part where they're doing the sit down interview clip or like uh, people that don't use tripods and it's all shaky video or they zoom in for no reason or pan right or pan left for no reason. Um, Yeah, that's the world I come from video production and so i'm like oh i could make this i could make this show easily i could video do the video i could do the interview and i can do the edit um so if you want to hire me to do that stuff i'd love to do it i would love to do it it'd be very interesting wait did i did i lose you guys don't go away because we have a fun guest on the show today's guest is sidra thatch and i went to school with her eighth grade to graduating high school with her we didn't run in the same circles, but knew of each other, mostly probably through sports. I knew I wanted Sidra on the show after we started working together on our 30th high school reunion. She has some good energy and an infectious personality. Let's get to the interview. this of everybody on the show where were you born and raised laramie wyoming so born born in ivinson yes that's right i think it was kind of a new hospital at the time can you imagine that yeah no (laughs) uh i wasn't born in laramie i was born in gresham oregon and that was truly a new hospital i think it was a couple years of it yeah 
Um, so did your parents meet in Laramie or how did they, what's their story? how did they their get story, together? Their stories, their stories is pretty cute. So oh, they, okay. um, were born and raised in Lovell, Wyoming. It's a little tiny town up, uh, by Cody, okay. Wyoming. And, um, they, my dad, my dad was so darn cute. He, he really liked my mom. So they're oh. high school sweethearts. There you go. Which, you know, back in the day in the fifties, like everybody was, that's the only way that, that you met anybody. But, hmm. um, so he really liked her, but she was going out with this guy named Donald and, uh, Donald thought he could do better than Sandy. And so he ah. breaks up with Sandy. I know wrong move, but, and so he breaks up with Sandy. <clears throat> and so my dad finds out cause his, his football buddy, um, Jerry LaFleche tells him, Hey, they broke up. You should ask her out. So they didn't have any kind of uh, telephones in their own homes back in those days. So he had to go down to the pharmacy, uh, the soda, the soda place to get to use busy corners telephone to call my mom's house. And so she did have a phone and my mom was coming back from some sort of, um, I don't know, some sort of conference or something like that. So they were waiting for the bus to come into town. So Lovell back then, I think was probably like 3000 people. That's about what it is now. It's just one of those little sleepy towns that yeah. is just, you know, nice and small and everybody knows everybody's business yep. hopefully in a good way. But, um, so they were able to say the bus is here. So my dad knew to call her house as soon as uh, the bus <laughs> came to town. So he calls uh-huh. her, asks her out, um, you know, as every girl who's been dumped, she's so happy to have that next guy call her up so she can rub it in, <laughs> rub it in her old flame face. And so she said, yeah, she, she went out with my dad. Pretty soon they started to get kind of serious and he was a senior and she's a sophomore and he wanted to go to college, which was kind of a big deal. So he ended up going to Laramie University of Wyoming. And so they did that for a little bit until she graduated. And then he asked her to marry him. And so they did that and he eventually went um, back and finished his degree. His, his dad, my grandpa, we called him shorty. He had a grocery store. And level, and then my grandpa, because he was a depression kid, he always wanted to go to college and become a doctor, but um, they didn't have the hundred dollars for the, the college college expenses. So uh, my dad, as the oldest son, felt like it was incumbent upon him to live out his dad's dreams. So he ended up going to college, changed his major a few times, but he eventually graduated with a business degree, and then um, they went to Casper for a little bit and worked for an oil company. And then they eventually moved to Laramie um, full-time. My dad hasn't left since. And they raised all of us kids there. And he worked for the University of Wyoming, retired from there. So goes to the Cowboy Games, all of them decked out. He's awesome. Nice. All of us kids. So your siblings, uh, where do you fit in the mix? Who, what siblings are do you have there? Okay, so I have... Um, I have... Uh, Four sisters total, three are older, and then my brother just above me, um, and then there's me, and then the younger sister, and then a younger brother. So is that eight? Well, I guess I counted my sister. I have three older sisters and one younger sister, so four four sister. girls. Okay. Yeah, and um, then the boys are kind of hodgepodge of the the girls. So. Wow. Anyway. Uh- so what are the, I mean, what's the next oldest sibling to you? How old is she? 
So uh, my next oldest sibling um, would be my brother. Older. Oh, your T brother. Yes. So TG, um, he was a couple years older than me and he was always into sports. And so no matter what was going on, we, by choice, mostly we went to like every baseball game and the entire side of the state of Wyoming, every football game, um, loved it. I totally was a sports nut. I learned how to talk about football. I knew to anticipate passes. Um, it was, it was super, super good. So, um, that actually turned out to be really key because when I was dating my husband, my soon to be husband, and I started talking about football, he was like, what, how do you know about this? And I said, this is in my blood. I've been watching little league baseball for forever um, and football and, and basketball. So it was actually a really good connection between me and my future spouse. So I, well, I have three sisters. Um, a sister who's six years older than me and then a stepsister who's four years and then a younger sister who's 11 a years younger than me and oh, I like, what? <laughs> yeah i was like wow my parents yeah uh 11 years younger than me uh my mom and stepdad's daughter and uh so i was the only boy which was it's like having my own life and then <laughs> the age the age differences was kind of that way too um, my little sister definitely benefited for me being a super sports guy. Um, she is super into sports. Uh, she's big old 49ers fan. Cause I am, mm -hmm. um, I didn't realize that was such an influence, but I was probably one of her first words she had been saying. Um, and, so, <laughs> and, that, and so we text all the time during 49ers games. She's now playing fantasy football. And so <laughs> look at I've you. Making well. I, oh well i've been playing fantasy football since like the 90s and we were doing all the stats out of the newspaper and we have like a general house where everybody would meet and do the stuff so i've been playing it for a long time so i'm shocked she didn't get into it sooner but so she asked me questions about that i'm not the greatest so i just try to give like vague advice i'm like <laughs> i think i gave her some advice and it backfired horribly and she's like i'm not gonna listen to you ever again i was like that's fine <laughs> that's fine <laughs> I want to be off the hook. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's good. I was like, you know, you'll figure it out what you like. And I was like, there's some fantasy picks I make that are based on pure heart and not on statistics. And sometimes that gets in the way of me. And so, but but my older sister, she was like um, good at everything. She was academically inclined, athletically inclined. Uh, and I went through school following her. And so, everyone, yeah, it is. And everyone was like, you're Rochelle's little brother. I didn't know if I had a name, but you're Rochelle's little brother. That was me. <laughs> and our Rochelle did it this way. And I'm like, I'm not going to do it that way. And her track coach nicknamed her rude. And then I came along and he was like, oh, you're rude's little brother. You're now rude. Um, but that was that was in Oregon. And then I didn't like I moved in seventh grade, didn't take the nickname with me, didn't really think much about it. And it grew organically, probably 10th grade, where my friends started calling me rude. And it really that's when I'm really stuck. And and so, but my older sister always says, you know, I'm the original rude, and I say I made it famous. So, <laughs> um, but it, it was interesting and but yet she influenced me with like music and sports definitely and i tried to do the sports she did but she's tall for a, a for a female and so like she did hurdles and ran and i'm i don't have those legs 
And, uh, <laughs> and so like my sports were different, but I, I mean, I tried the stuff she did. Um, but she was really good at that, really good at academics. Like, I don't think she had to study that much, um, that I can remember. And, and so probably hurt me because then I was like, I don't have to study that much, which I should have done more of. <laughs> and, and I thought I, I was like, man, I should have, because my dad, my stepmom, our edu- are retired educators. They were third grade teachers in Oregon. My dad taught the college level. My mom worked in college level. And I was like, I should have been better at, at the academic side, but uh, it's probably, you know, didn't push myself hard enough or I just did enough to get by to play athletics. And so where, where your older siblings influential, because I'm sure by a certain time in your life, a lot of them were out of the house. Yeah. So, um, so when I was five, my mom died. And so that was like the big, huge, um, wow. Everything about my life hinged from that moment on completely different course. Right. So my oldest sister, um, she had just graduated from high school, like a year after my mom died in 78. My sister graduated in 77. So, um, she was on her own, but you know, how much is a 19 year old on their own? Right. Um, and so then it just went down all of us siblings. And so, uh, my mom was sick like that for about six months and she didn't really tell anybody. And uh, I mean, this is the late seventies. So there, you yeah. know, technology is just so different and healthcare is so different and being aware of our bodies is so different. Um, and I'm pretty certain that if she ended up with leukemia today, like total different wow. yeah. um, course of, of treatment and everything, but that's not what it was. So um, she was sick and she just kept feeling weaker and weaker. And finally they went into the doctor around October um, of 1978 and uh, Dr. Sandine, he was the doctor and uh, he, he ordered some blood tests for my mom and like these don't look good so they uh, determined and diagnosed that it was leukemia and so we ended up having an early thanksgiving that year because she was supposed to go down to denver general and start treatments and so we had an early thanksgiving and she drove away and never saw her again oh man so it was about um i think about 17 days after she left that she died and so there wasn't much closure. There wasn't much discussion. There wasn't much uh, healing or processing or any of that kind of stuff that again, today, there's so much about mental health and there is so much yeah. about how do you grieve and how do you, how do you work through that? And um, here's six kids in a family. My youngest sister was just about to turn two. So like baby. She's oh, a baby. yeah. Um, so that was, that was pretty brutal. Uh, and then my dad, because he's got five kids at home, the oldest sister's graduated, she's moved on. My dad's like, I've got to have somebody to help take care of my kids. So he ends up, um, remarrying, um, and she had four kids, Okay. four sons. <clears throat> and so, um, her four sons, his six kids, blended family of 10. Her boys were old enough that they still lived in their prior home. Okay. So she just ended up um, bringing her son that was the same age as my brother. So Clay and TG okay. in the same grade. And so they were raised together in, in, in my home. And then um, 
then my dad and his wife, Mary, they had my younger brother, Aaron. So that's where all of them come in. It's like the Brady Bunch. Yes, the Brady Bunch. But we yeah. didn't have a cute little orange kitchen and stuff. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my I mean, um, I know when I noticed at young ages, well, I back then, um that we were kept away from death, I think, a little bit more than uh today. I I um because I like my grandparents passing in them. I, I was nowhere near funerals or anything like that. Um and but yet my girlfriend works in the funeral business now and I go to funerals and there's all ages. And so it's very interesting. And like you said, it was the 70s. And and so like lots of different, totally different changes nowadays. And and maybe um coping with death is a little more present than, well, we'll just this one's too young. We'll just tuck her away, you know. And instead of having that hard conversation and yeah, who knows? You may get it at five years old, but I mean, that's tragic and, and sorry for your loss. And I mean, we all deserve moms in our lives and, and, but we, it sounds like, is your dad still married to your stepmom mm-hmm. still? Yep. Yeah, They've been married for, you know, decades, whatever. That yeah. 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 So mm-hmm. I mean, that worked out. Um, expanded family. I mean, I mean, I'm part, I have, stepmom stepdad they've been with my parents longer than they were with each other and i have some great step family and it, it's it worked out for me i always thought i was i was blessed to get that situation now everyone gets the best step parents in the world so uh, i i got i got two of them so i'm always like you got you need a parent i can loan you out one from time to time <laughs> they would love to be a parent to you so <laughs> for all you listeners out there my parents would love to be parents to you so if you need some parently advice or, or guidance, they're always up for it, good at it and everything. And so, uh, but I digress. What were you into growing up as a kid? I, I know you clearly got into sports because you're your sibling. Um, were you academically inclined? Were you a big reader? Were you doing plays, singing, playing instruments? Yeah. Um... I was kind of a little bit of a hodgepodge trying to figure out what, what I was good at. You know, again, back in the eighties with all these older siblings, it was just like, okay, I just want to make sure I get my piece of the, literally the pie at the table. Um, but I loved, I loved to read. I loved to read. I loved to play, um, Laura Laws. Remember Laura? Oh yes. Oh yeah. So we used to, uh, her dad would put up a tent in her backyard. Awesome. And we would play Little House on the Prairie. And so we would we would pretend like we were Laura. Both of us got to be Laura because, you know. Nobody else on that right, show. Exactly. So uh, <laughs> we, we would do that and we would run around in her backyard and assign ourselves homework. We assigned ourselves <laughs> homework. Um, yes, we were those girls. And so we did that for one of our summer games. And then the other thing we loved to do is then we were college kids. So in okay. first grade, we had these huge books and we would assign ourselves all of this information that we had to process and, you know, just felt really important and things like that. So I did that like in elementary. Um, and then by the time I got to junior high, it was kind of like, I think everybody, wasn't there like, at least you came in seventh grade. Yeah. No, eighth yeah. grade. Eighth okay, grade. Well, seventh grade. Um, we had an a, a, a team, a B team, a 
Yeah, oh, well, yeah. we want to be two, C1, C2, C3. Like everybody went out for whatever sport. Yeah. My parent was like, you have to go out for dot, dot, dot. So everybody did sports. And uh, so I, I did volleyball. I was always tiny. Like I never had any power. I never had any oomph. I never had anything, but I, I did have intensity. So my, my emotional stamina of like, go get it. Um, kind of propelled me forward with, with some of those things, but I ended up really loving running. So I did a lot of distance running. Um, I think I did band for like two years, no interest in that whatsoever. So that went by the wayside. And then uh, Paul Street. Um, oh, yeah. Street yep. So he decided to uh, introduce Laramie to girls basketball, which was so avant-garde for the time. There was not any kind of um, fifth grade, you know, organized basketball yeah, wow. we're like cutting edge oh yeah so yeah. he brings it in and we start playing all these games at the old civic center and ah dang like i don't have a clue like i, I watched my brothers but that's not the same yeah. thing as yourself so that was super fun so that kind of gave me an identity did all of that through junior high into high school mostly just did um cross country spring track and basketball and then um i kind of I, for some reason, you know, you'll have to tell me what you wanted to be in high school, but I wanted to be, I wanted to be a business executive and I uh, wanted to live in New York city and I never wanted to get married and I never wanted to have kids. And I was just going to live this. I loved high heels. I love, you know, I assigned myself homework, right? So I want, yeah. I want all the extra project stuff. Um, so I was going to get out of Dodge and just, uh, go to the city. That was my plan. So I did FBLA and I really, really loved all of that. Um, and then by the time, by the time I got to the end of my senior year, I'm like, <laughs> I don't really know that there's much joy in that. I mean, like, I'm sure there's for somebody, but for me, I realized that I'm just, I like more personal, smaller group type things, mm. big groups. I'm not a fan of, I don't get any energy from big groups. Like I'm getting a charge out of this because it's you and me, yeah, right? Yeah. But if it was a huge room with tons of people, I'd be like, ugh. I got to go home. I don't like this. Yeah. So, um, so probably the city life would not have worked out for my, <laughs> for my personality. Yeah. So uh, it turned out to be okay. Yeah. Well, in high school, I think I still wanted to play NFL football. So that was my, when I, <laughs> yes. I, knew, I knew, well, I moved to Laramie eighth grade and I'm not a big fan uh, at, for, at all until probably my senior year. Um and it, there's lots of things. I came from a suburb of a big city. So I was like, Laramie was podunk. And I'd go back every summer to to Oregon and see friends and hang out there. So I was never really letting it go. Yeah. And, uh, and then, yeah, my senior year was probably my favorite. Well, I was like varsity athlete. My classes were easy. I was president of DECA. Um, DECA! Oh. Yes! That's awesome. Yeah. That was the first um, school uh, government thing I've ever held, position <laughs> I've ever held. And it was totally a popularity contest. I'm very positive that one. Perfect. Uh, but, and my, <laughs> but my cabinet was all females. So I looked cool. Like the, the group pictures are good. Uh, um, I, and I think the advisor loved it. It was a guy that, it was a guy finally. It was like, finally, Mr. Lewis. I think eventually he had, um, I think he spiked his coffee. Um, 
I, I think that was the <laughs> eventually what led to him leaving. His demise. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There may be more stories, but I'm pr- I'm pretty sure that was one of the main ones. And uh, I I liked I enjoyed him as a teacher, but I guess he was kind of half tanked a little bit. Okay. Well, maybe and, that's uh, why. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, I never saw myself living in a city or, or, you know, a huge place, uh, maybe back in Oregon, but then I eventually, I lived in Long Island, New York and I was, yeah. Um, I worked at 24 hour news station, uh, right after college. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, I, I worked at a summer camp there, so I had made connections and then uh, I was like Ray and I and Rick Osborne, Ray White, Rick Osborne, um, were the guys that worked there with me. And then Ray and I stuck it out for a couple of years more than Rick. And uh, I met my now ex-wife and uh, she was British. So it was kind of the halfway point between uh, Wyoming and New York. So we lived in Long Island, New York. I got a job at TV station. New- TV news just wasn't for me. Burned me out, burned me up. I was there during 9-11. And uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, my mom's still, she's like, you still have like PSD from it. And you I do. Like, I need to go get some therapy and I'm not kidding. And so I can't watch this, the, any sort of documentary on it. I'm kind of like, yeah, yeah, I was there. And uh, it, 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 I didn't work that day on 9-11. I just watched it like everybody else. But then it was the next 21, 14 days, whatever, of, of that kind of coverage. And it was longer it, than that. Yeah, I mean that that I did that I did personally without not working, and I mean we watch other reporters and workers break down from time to time, and because we re- I wasn't from there, so I only knew one person that that died, and he worked for the New York Police Department, and uh, he was part of their video squad, but he would um do freelance stuff for us and he was just this classic new york cop it was he was great he told some great stories and uh the last video we see of him is run into the towers and and not coming out and we were kind of in the business of telling everybody like you know you probably lost your loved one but we didn't want to believe it and it took up took a long time for us to kind of soak in at the station and i mean there were other news stories i covered where i was just like this is crazy like what am I doing? I was really good at shooting sports and that's what I did at the university of Wyoming. And that's what I really wanted to do. And, and I was like, how'd you get into news? But you kind of, you know, you meet somebody, you fall in love and you adapt. And, and so like, like God was going through a divorce and the opportunity started up the university of Wyoming. And I moved back in 2003, I was gone only like four and a half years. And I was like, five years. This is my New York mentality. Five years, and I'm moving back to Portland. That's where I belong. And we're on year almost 20. Um, yeah, money, follow the money. Got had a great partner for the last almost 11 years. So, like, Laramie's been good. And I knew when I moved back here, I was like, I got to do stuff that I normally didn't do while I lived there. And I didn't give it a good shot in my younger years because – I was bitter about moving. I don't know. All that good stuff. But yeah. And um, so I did. And it's worked out. And I really, I like working education. I, um, I work in IT. So I help make sure people can get educated. So that feels a whole lot better than covering crazy news stories. 
Um, I don't miss that aspect of it. I, the stuff I miss my, you know, from New York are my friends. And there was, if you were into like concert sports, all that stuff, it's always there. But yet so is everybody else. Like there's so many people there and, and they were just not that nice all the time. And in Wyoming, you walk down the street, people usually like, hey, I say hi, they give them the head. You do that in New York and it's, what do you want? Like it, it was such a different atmosphere. And uh, sorry, my friends in New York, if you're listening, that this is, that was the case. Um, you come visit Wyoming anytime and you'll understand that, you know, it's a different, I would tell my friends out there, I was like, move out here, move out West. I was like, you can see uh, the horizon. You can see you know, the sun. You can see a lot of cool stuff. And, but I was like, not all of you, just a few of you can come back. to move exactly. to Wyoming. You want to have limits. Yeah. 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 And so, it, I mean, uh, it was in, I mean, I thought like, I had no clue that I'd be end up in New York at that age. And, um, it's interesting to see all the people that like, you thought of that. My friend, Jeremy Wheelie, he thought he was going to be a stockbroker on wall street and, and got a degree in like finance here and went and worked in Denver doing, um, stockbroker stuff and hated it, hated it. And. I was like, yeah, you know what you got to do to get to Wall Street? Not go to the University of Wyoming to get a finance degree. You got to go to a bigger, better school before that. So um, it's probably a good move that you didn't bust out there. Um, and so did you know, like, uh, uh, that once you were done high school, you wanted to go to college or your plans were up in the air since you weren't going to go be a businesswoman in New York? Well, so yeah, I mean, that's, uh, do, do you remember the commercials for DeVry Institute? Right? Oh, yeah. Like, okay, so I was just, I was fine. I'll just go do DeVry. I apologize to everybody in Laramie who loves Laramie, but I'm not really a fan. And um, so I yeah. hate the weather. Yep. I hate the weather. Two weeks out of the year, it's tolerable. The rest of it is like, no, trash. So I wanted to, um, I wanted to go to Arizona. I wanted to go to DeVry school in Arizona. Sun, okay. you know, everything would be just perfect. And my dad, because he's this business <clears throat> major, who's like, no, this is how much this is going to be. Mathematically, this doesn't make sense. You know, <laughs> he's okay. gonna, like, I was shooting up my dream, right? So I'm sitting there at the kitchen table going, ah, what am I going to do? I, I don't even know what I'm going to do. And he's like, well, go to the University of Wyoming. I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, stab in the heart. No kid. I have uh, four girls. They're all, my youngest is just about ready to graduate yeah. from high school. But typically no kid wants to go to school that is close by yep. or that is reasonable, Honest. right? Like that's just, uh, those are foul words their parents says. Yeah. So, um, but I knew he was right and I really didn't have any other options. And um, I thought, okay, fine. I'll just, uh, I'll just waited it out for like a year and then I'll get some scholarships. I'll transfer somewhere else. And I'll just, because I had some scholarship money. Oh, yeah. So it wasn't going to cost me a thing um, for at least my first year. And so I had that kind of planned out. So that would be fine. And I would, I would live at home. There was no way I was going to live in Downey <laughs> Hall or whatever. Right. I was not going to do that. Um, so yeah. So I, I went to school and um, I got to play college, right? I got to assign myself all the work. I was very, uh, wow. I went to the library and studied by myself. Like I had so much fun doing that for quite a yeah. while. 
And then I met this really cute guy and um, we got really serious and I was like, no, 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 no. I am not getting married until I get my degree. I'm sorry. I didn't come to school okay. to find a guy. I came to get my degree. <clears throat> and he was a little bit older and he was like, you know, I am ready to start my life. So I want to start it with you. And if that's not going to work out, then I'm hitting the road. And I'm like, well, then hit the road because <laughs> this is what I'm doing. Yeah. And he just kind of looked at me like, you're serious. And I said, yeah. He's like, yeah, so am I. So we kind of came to this breaking up period. And uh, once again, my dad was like, what are you doing? You know, and coming from him where he's lost his, his first sweetheart. Um, I think that that meant so much more to me of him just going, there's something she can't buy. Actually, there's a lot of things she can't buy. Oh, yeah. And having an awesome relationship is irreplaceable. And this may or may not ever happen again. And are you really, are you ready to take that high risk? Are you that much of a gambler that that's what you're going to do? And he's like, you really need to think about this. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I am like a year out of high school. This was not my plan. This was absolutely not my plan, but I am a woman of faith. And so I, I asked God what I should do because I had plans and I had dreams and they weren't lining up with what this was about. And that takes some humility to take some advice from your dad, take some advice from God. Yeah. And uh, I wasn't really big on having a lot of humility at that point in my life. But um, because of the serious nature of what my dad had said to me, I really took it to heart and it changed a lot of things. And I went, okay, okay. Yep. This is, this, this is what I need to do. So this is what I want to do. But I said, I, I will get my degree. And he's like, absolutely. Yeah. There you so go. everything was really great. And then um, he was, he was about ready to graduate with his degree. And, and so we had gotten married and, um, and man, I was just like, I, I was studying child development. I was studying early childhood, which is like totally different from yeah. this business degree. I'm not living in New York. Now I'm married, you know, just all, all the, what? part of the spectrum is this coming from, but anyway, um, so I was like, I, I want to have a baby. And he was like, what, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know, but this is really what I think I want. Yeah. So, um, so we did, we had our, my oldest daughter. And at that point we were living in Denver. And so I had three years of school. I had two semesters left to graduate and I have this baby girl and he's like, so are, what, what's your plan here? And I'm like, I'm not giving this baby to anybody. I'm going to raise this baby and then I'll go back to school. So, um, so that's what I did. And each, each time a new baby came because I had chosen it, I was like this. And I think truthfully, deep, deep, deep down, because I was so tiny when my mom died, everything about my life. I made mental notes. Maybe you did this with the divorce. Maybe you didn't. Sure. Yeah. Well, and you have a sense of loss. Um, I kept a tally, I kept a mental tally of all the things that I wanted that I didn't get uh, moments and what kind of mom I was going to be. And I think maybe part of that whole psyche of going to New York and just like burying it is because it was like super painful and I couldn't, I couldn't really resolve this dissonance that I had. And so 
once I was married and once I had somebody who just loved me for me, all of a sudden it was like, I can actually make that little girl dream list of all these awesome things that I wanted to do. And I really want to be a mom first. And so that's what I've done. I've just poured myself into my girls. Um, like I said, I have four of them. My oldest lives in Tampa, Florida. She is an anesthesiology assistant. And so she's living the, the dream down there. Um, she's married and um, then I have another daughter and she's in Peru. She'll come home in December. <clears throat> she graduated from Michigan State with a business degree. And then my third daughter also lives in Tampa with the first daughter and she's my uh, yoga baby. So uh-huh. she's living the dream on the beach and uh, doing all that fun stuff. Actually, she, um, Clearwater, Dawn. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Dawn lives down there. She she works for uh, a family that's right close to that. But And then my youngest, she's a senior in high school. So she's about ready to graduate. And so here I am back to square one. And I'm taking some online classes and starting over again. So... Wow. I'm gonna get that degree. It's gonna be you years are gonna later. Yep. Uh, so I mean, wow, you put in the like, um, the inspired your children to travel. Purdue, Tampa, Tampa. Is this youngest yeah. one gonna be like, I'm going to Japan? Like, what? I mean, is there? Are they coming? Well, to <laughs> she's, actually, she's already gone to Cambodia. So, okay. Um, yes, all of my girls have traveled. I think because we live in Wyoming, I think that we just have this different mindset, right? Like you, you've been other places, Wyoming kids. Um, even if you started out in Oregon, there's this sense of like, there's nothing that's going to stop me. I can conquer a mountain. I can conquer a culture. I can, I can conquer these things. There, there's really no boundaries. And we we're hardy people. We're resistant. Yeah. We're resilient. We want to go. We want to do, we want to get our hands dirty. And so uh, that was one of the things that my husband and I intentionally planted. It's like, we want our girls to have adventures. We want them to experience the world. We want them to have diversity. We want them to be diversified. We want them to love people, all people in all different kinds of ways. So the way you do that is you go be part of them. Yeah. So that's, that's how that kind of came about. So, um, one of my daughters has been to South Africa. She's been to Ireland, um, Peru, Cambodia. Cambodia was a history day project. So that was, she's a nerd too. So yeah. So everything about (laughs) me in high school, I didn't raise my kids like that at all. Like they are completely opposite um, from what the experiences that I had. Um, They're into drama they're into dance. They're into all of these, you know, science fair and history day and all these things that I didn't have any interest in, but um, I saw the value as a parent going, no, 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 no. This is, this is what we're doing. Oh, I, I mean, Ray, why his kids, he's like, they're nothing like me. They don't like sports that much, but they are so smart. And I'm not shocked because him and his wife are really smart. And so I'm not shocked that their prodigy are really little smart kids. They're just not dunking basketballs. But I was like, <laughs> that doesn't matter. Well, because I look back and I'm like, hey, I sound like a popcorn machine um, when I walk because of sports. <laughs> I, don't, I don't regret any minute of it. But I'm also like, I should have put more into my head, like not protecting my head, but like mentally, like studying, <laughs> learning more stuff. And and I think my parents did a good job of, um, they came from a small town, Washington state town. And and so they were like, my dad had gone to Vietnam and stuff. And they were like, yeah, get out there. 
the, the Oregon always be here or Wyoming always be here. So go check things out. And we all did because I think my oldest sister, she moved to, she was in Clearwater for a little while. Now she's in uh, Dallas, Fort Worth. And then my little sister was in Orlando for a while. Now she's in Las Vegas, but that's where um, my mom and stepdad live. My stepsister didn't get too far from the nest. They, she was pretty close to my stepmom, um, but they take trips all the time. So it, it's, it was a lot of, I remember going to like museums and historical spots with my stepmom and dad. And I know at the time I was so un, probably ungrateful. And, <laughs> and now I'm like, I thank mom all the time. And it almost makes my stepmom cry. Cause I was like, I have a um, Monet print that hangs in my house. And uh, which one you have? I have Monet too. I love uh, Lily, Monet. Lilies, the Lily stuff. It's a it's where he's going blind. And I learned so much about that as a kid. And it's probably the only artist that I really knew that is stuck in my head because my stepmom made me go to a museum and it was a Monet display was going on. And so I learned a ton. And now I have a print in the house, which I'm like. I go, I don't care what paintings hang up my house or what goes here and there. That one's going to be up because I can talk to you about Monet for a little while. And so uh, it's, I mean, it was great. And, but yet I know, I remember being on a plane to Australia right after high school down under bowl. Oh yeah. With guys, with guys from Wyoming that had never been on a plane before and never traveled let alone to Australia, to Sydney, Nebraska. And we went to Sydney, Wyoming. So being around those guys and they were looking at me like, you're well-traveled. I was like, yeah, but I just fly back from Portland to uh, Wyoming all the time. I don't, I'm not taking this, <laughs> these huge shifts, but I would mess with them stuff. Like, I don't think the plane's supposed to sound like that <laughs> and everything. You're cruel. And, yeah, that's cruel. But I, I'm sure those guys are just like, you know, I'm glad I took those, that trip. You know, I probably never expect anything like that. And I never expect to go to Australia at that age. Um, and it was great shape. And that probably led to me going, all right, what else is out there? And I was itching when I was uh, going to college here. And it was kind of one of those things where I didn't want to go to the University of Wyoming. But it was the right decision. <laughs> and it, affordability, all this. It was. I didn't live at home. I did live in McIntyre. My mom was like, you will go live the college life. And uh, I ended up being roommates with this guy from Germany. He was 21 years old, but I already had a fake ID. So that's like, that was, uh, <laughs> you didn't need him. <laughs> I didn't need him for that. But yet on my same floor was Travis Daniels and he was graduated with us. And, um, but I didn't know him in high school at very well. I knew of him. I knew people around him, but I didn't know, but he had always stopped by my room. We ended up hanging out and we became roommates and that was great friendship built there. And, and everything but i was like what i'm go away to college and can't meet anybody not from laramie and like that's when like ray white and i became like best friends and jeremy wheatley i knew him in high school but we weren't hanging out all the time college definitely changed all that once again i was just like all right <laughs> you didn't get very far away from these laramie kids and they're great people i love larry Hill, but i was like College folks like open up the experience and, and meet more people out there in the world. And, and it eventually happened because I got I got into broadcasting, which I none of my friends were in that track. I had very few classes with my like true like friends where they would go out and do stuff with. And so because if I did, we were so distracted. I was like, don't you can't sit next to me. I'll not take notes. I'll be giggling the whole time. 
So um, it was, you know, there's a few times I wanted to leave. I was like, I got to get out to the world. And uh, my mom kept would talk me back in. I was like, I'm going to go part-time. And then she'd be like, well, what about this class? And this class, next time I'm a full-time student. So I was like, oh, okay. What a great mom. Yeah. Oh, she worked yeah. at the university. was definitely yeah. in my head. She would be, I'd go to her office and visit her. And she'd be like, um, are you going to party on Ord Street tonight? And I'd be like, <laughs> now I am. And so like my friends would be like, what's your mom know? What's your mom say? What's going on this weekend? Because she worked around all these college kids. And she just overhear their talks. And so or she'd be like, stay away from this house. I heard it's heard it's a bad place. I'll be like, okay, okay. Thanks, mom. Okay. Yeah. Mom. Yeah. And so I mean, it was good, but she was like, wanted me to be independent. And the more like she was like, she would I was doing my laundry by the time I left. And I knew how to cook because of her when I left school. And I knew how to do some good stuff. Not necessarily bounce the checkbook as well as I could have, but um. And she'd be ashamed because she's like, she could have an accounting degree. She does people's taxes. She's one of those people that can look at an adding machine and like have one finger on numbers and just be like, <laughs> it, I used to watch during tax season, just watch. I'd be like, oh, that is so amazing. And she's like, when you know all the buttons are at, it's not really that issue. She's like, it's not even like a keyboard, like a computer. Like, it's like, okay, you ruined the magic of it. But I was like, that is so amazing. You were still uh, in awe, even if you didn't yeah. know. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. So amazing. And so, yeah, she is a good way. I'm definitely a mama's boy by easily. And if you ask every girl I dated, I'm definitely a mama's boy for sure. Um, it can be such an issue. You know that, right? Uh, oh, yeah. Um, but I, I definitely try to, I try to have boundaries. So sometimes I live states away. So I, I love seeing my mom. I love hanging out with her. But um I'm not one of my sisters. So I, I'm different in the, in the communication process and the, and a lot of the stuff. And, and so, but I am like, yeah, I'm definitely mama's boy more than daddy's kid, daddy's boy like that. So, um, but I mean, I love my parents both. So they're, they're great and influential in my lives. And they got me going to, kept me going to college. I mean, that was many times I tried not to, they were like, no, <laughs> you're sticking with it. This will prove beneficial later and it's hard to see that from your parents like this will be beneficial later you're like oh, all right but i'm so excited that you're actually you're about to be an empty nester but you're about to get your degree yeah well yeah i'm starting the process but um process. yeah um, is it is it you're gonna stick with early childhood development or are you gonna go i'm gonna do family therapy okay I think oh. when, um, covid blew that off the the charts of um you know, the, I don't know. I don't know that I'd say a lot of good things really happened from COVID from my perspective, but one of the things that did happen is that we realized, or at least the way I see the world, uh, there's a lot of people that have a, don't have very good coping skills, right? Yeah. So it hit everybody in a different way. It hit everybody at a different time. We can take all of that into account, but the bottom line is, is no matter when it hit you, uh, our reaction, our that was just it. We reacted instead of acting. We, yeah. we let things impact us instead of taking control of our lives. And so one of the things that um, at the time I was working as an optician. And so every day here would all these patients come in and they're supposed to be coming in to get eye exams and, and to get glasses. And that is not what they came in for. They came in because they wanted to sit across from my table 
and like, blah, and just process everything and talk about everything. And I just sat there realizing that regular people didn't have coping skills. Life is great when life is great. Um, And in America for a really long time and lots of different demographics and socioeconomic, like it's really great. And then this just hit everybody. Oh yeah. Everybody had to carry a pack of pain in some way uh, around with them. And so all of a sudden, when you have a whole society, global, whatever, your community, your family that's having to deal with this, how do we actually do this in healthy ways? And I think we all got a big fat F, you know, as in terms of yeah. um, communities and things like that. And so I don't know that a lot of people have, now that things have loosened and, you know, we've, we've come to some sort of terms with it, it still has this huge impact on lots of people because they still don't have those coping skills. And a lot of people do have some impactful trauma that still happened. And some of that is our school kids that, you know, you mentioned your parents as educators. Um, I luckily for me, I had a, she was a freshman in high school um, when things got shut down. And then because we live in a rural area, uh, we didn't really have to wear masks and we didn't really have okay. to do really things. And so we had a huge sense of freedom that the rest of lots of places just weren't as fortunate. So she still got to participate in all kinds of things. We still had our musical. We still like, we, we, she pretty much lived her life as, as normal, but these little kiddos, man, they took it in the shorts, right? Like they have missed. Can you imagine your first grade year is interrupted and then you have a weird second grade year where you have these plexiglass and your teachers in this math thing. And like everybody from a pregnant woman who had a baby to about my kid's age has been horribly impacted. Um, and we haven't really dealt with that. And we're still saying, okay, here's the standards. Yep, you still got to teach the standards. And this kid is still just reeling from missing a, a year and a half of math as an eight-year-old. That's a lot of math to make up, right? Yeah. And, and then they, they move on to the next grade. And so we just keep compounding it. And I, it's kind of one of those things that I think we're not moving fast enough to rectify the situation and really figure out um, how we can best utilize the tools and the, the people in places to say, okay, stop the truck. Let's just figure out where we are with each of these kids globally, individually, in your community, in your home. And take a real litmus test of what what are you lacking and how do I meet that need so that you can go on to be a confident, successful, yeah. happy person. We just haven't done that. We're like, okay, I think it's over. Most of us are over. Some of you are still wearing masks. Okay, we're still moving on. And it's um, so in some ways, society as a whole still doesn't have coping skills because in order to cope, you'd have to like, let's actually acknowledge this. Let's look at this. Let's try to fix what we can. Let's try to invest where we can. Um so there's just lots of, lots of that in big fat bow. So, um, I decided, you know what, this is, and I had a lot of people, a lot of my patients, they're like, I, I needed this. I needed this talk with you. And, and more than anything, I would just say, what, what brings you joy? And they were like, what? And he said, what is one thing that you can latch onto today? What's one thing wow. that you can do that's going to help you feel better. And Justin, they would just sit there and look at me like I was speaking a foreign language to them. They had no clue what I was saying to them. And so I would sit there and try to like, what about this? What about this? And just get their cogs going. And finally, they'd be like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I haven't gotten out and taken a walk for a really long time. I, I could do that. And I'm like, 
Yeah. You know, just these really simple things that when we get so impacted by stress and trauma, we, we can't figure out which way's up. So that's kind of what I want to do. I'm not sure awesome. what direction that'll head, but that's, that's yeah. at least the highway I'm getting on. I'm sure we're going to need some post COVID uh, therapy. I mean, soon. And maybe we need a few years to train people up to get there. Um, I, my, this podcast, I'd been thought about it for, I've been listening to podcasts for a while. And I was like, ah, oh, I want to make my own. And I have all these friends who live in the United States and I'll just go visit them, throw a mic in front of them, we'll talk and we'll get like we're doing now. Right. And the very first interview, face to face in my house. And it's probably like the 15th of March. And by the 18th of March is my birthday, all hell's breaking loose. And uh, I was like, I worked in video conferencing for a long time. I was using Zoom long before everybody else was a household name. So I was like, wow, I can talk to my friends at least once a week. This way we can have these mental health checks and talk about our lives. And we were, I was meeting with fam my family. I was meeting with other friends, not just podcast stuff. But I look forward to once a week, I knew I was going to talk to a friend in this situation. And I thought that helped out a ton. But then we went to a wedding in Nebraska in 2020 summer. And I went into a convenience store. And I, I mean, I was going to work at the time, but I wasn't around very many people. And I kept, I, I felt so awkward. And I was like, oh, and I just realized we're going to be really weird when we finally get to be around each other again. And I was filling up my soda and got the mask on or six feet apart. And these two girls come up right next to me real close. And I'm like, Oh, and I just spill it. Like it was, <laughs> and I, I, they are just looking at me. I mean, I think they were like teenage girls and I'm like, oh, yeah, awkward or whatever. And so I refill and I walk outside and I talk to you and I was like, uh, I just got really weird in there. Like I, I things got rough. And I was like, I don't know if I'm be handled being around. We went to a wedding and it was outside and barn and stuff. I was like, <laughs> but still I haven't talked with that many or been around that many people in a long time. And I'm a, I'm pretty much, I'm a, an extrovert a little bit. I do like my time alone to recharge and all that, but I know people that love to be around people all the time. And they were probably hurting the most because they weren't getting that at all. And I, I feel for them and, and kids, they need that interaction um, to be around other people in society. And so when they grow up, they can handle that. And I've noticed on the University of Wyoming campus, I mean, we're there's no mask that mandates or anything, but it's a lot of probably 19 to 20 year olds that still have masks on outside. Yes. And I'm like, okay, let me break it down. I, for you. I try not to be like, I don't judge them and I'm never going to say, hey, take that mask off. I was like, maybe they're in a situation where, you know, they were on their grandma and, they, and they're just trying to keep that going. I doubt this, but I'm like, so like you have the best immune system right now. And I'm like, you'll be fine. I'm like, maybe you're looking out for me. That's cool. I'm taking care of myself. But I was just like, I, I, I wearing them outside just boggles my mind. Mm -hmm. Why people still wear them and outside. Cause I'm like, what do you get in Wyoming? You know, our wind is in Nebraska by now. It's like, <laughs> in Laramie, it's just, whoa. Lander's a little different up there. Like, yeah, we don't just, have wind very often. No, you guys got <laughs> sweet mountains around you protecting you. And uh, yeah, ours is, it's gone. 
And so I'm just like, well, I don't, I don't understand the thought process. And maybe you know, I was just like, thank you for looking out for other people, but I think you're going to be fine. And However, okay. So, yeah. think about it so uh, my, my uh, youngest, she HSI at the university of Wyoming, right? Yeah. Um, high school Institute. And so she uh, was selected to go to that and it should have happened summer of 2020, but because of 2020 yeah. COVID, they uh, backed it up and let them go 2021. So they had two sessions. They had 2020 session and they had 2021 session back to back. Awesome. I think that's so incredible because there's so many other programs that she was going to potentially be part of and they just canceled them. So there's a lot of things that these kids, they got totally taken away from them, right? These opportunities yeah. sometimes that they had. So anyway, um, it's this three week thing. I can't remember the name of the lady who was the coordinator, but anyway, at the end of the three weeks, they have this banquet and all the parents come and you pick up your kid and you get to see what awesome things that they did and um, with their mentors and things like that. And she said, um, you know, we've never had a group like this. Um, they were so quiet. They didn't hardly say anything to each other until the end of week two. And that's just so uncanny. And she just went on and on and on and on. And I'm sitting here going, <laughs> so after the, after the luncheon was over, I went up to her and I said, I was, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about your remarks um, and maybe fill in some gaps. I said, do you have an adolescent in your home right now? She's like, no. I'm like, okay. Well, let me tell you, when uh, we've sent the message to society that if you open your mouth, you're going to mouth, you're going to kill your grandma. These kids are not going to talk and uh, it's because all of a sudden you put them at a high school institute with other kids from across the state. And these are smart kids and they're good kids. And you have all these activities and you have professors lined up and you have like you have all of this. They're not going to be able to suspend their disbelief that all of a sudden they're in a safe space after you've told them for a whole solid year plus that their very breath is going to topple yeah. somebody. They're not going to be able to have a lip sync. Okay. They're not going to be able to get down with these new friends at your little dance. And yeah. he was just kind of like, Oh, I said, you know, we've kind of told them that they're bio bombs. And so to pull that back now, we have to give them some space to, if it is run around with their masks for another. Sure. Yeah. It was, you know, that's, that's pretty pretty hard for these young brains of 15, 16, 17 year olds. Um, we still have some running around here. I still see them all, you know, and it's part yeah. of their identity. That's, you know, this security for some of them. And uh, that is, yeah, I think that could be a true thing. Like now it's become a security thing. And I mean, like they feel it's like we're having a blanket. Um, got my mask. I still, I have masks just in case there's, they're just strategically placed. I mean, I just want to be like, if I, if I go to the hospital, I'll mask up there. I get that. And so, but I will, I, cause I got, um, I tested positive in 2020 in September and only because I was in a pool, like how they did the testing. If one person in this pool testing gets test positive, y'all get a positive. And so I was like, what? No way. And cause I felt fine. And yeah. I went and took a test like right away, went and got like the official nose brain <laughs> scrub. Yep, yep. And uh and T and I are eating like meals across the room from each other because she works around a lot of people, funeral homes and stuff. So um we're just being precautious. I slept in a different room. We get our test results back, we're negative. So I'm like, oh sweet, I can go work. 
And I, I'm like, but I get the call from the state and they're like, oh, you got a positive test. And I was like, I just got a negative one. I will fax you whatever you need, email it to you, whatever you need. And they were just like, oh, and she wasn't like hearing it. She could care less that I had this. And um, I had to stay at home for 10 days, which I could do some work from home. I wasn't losing anything. Um, it, and I'm, my boss kept checking on me. And I was like, if this is COVID, it's the easiest sickness I've ever had in my life. And uh, I eventually, um, you know, got back to work. They sent me a piece of paper to tell, you know, positive. And she kept on what the lady I was talking on the phone. Do you have pets? And I was like, yeah, I have two cats. We're going to want to avoid them and not, you could give cats COVID, which is true. But I was like, I don't have it. Like, <laughs> and uh, they, and they're going to be up on my face. So, and I'm going to pet them. And I was like, I don't have it. And she just wasn't having it on the phone. I was, I want to be like, are you reading a script? Yes, she is. (laughs) And I was like, this is, this is crazy. And so I've kept the paperwork. And so I was like, I'm going to frame it and with, with a mask. And and in 2020, when this happened, just to remind ourselves, I'd be like, break if nether pandemic, you know? (laughs) And, uh, and I even went and got a, uh, a, to get to see if I had the uh, antibodies in me mm-hmm. just to prove my point that I didn't have it. And I did not have any antibodies in me. And I was like, yeah, that was a waste. And then I, th- I didn't know the whole conditions where the pool testing. And I was like, they should make you do another solo test and you can do the nose test and then be like, Oh, you're negative, but not send 80 people home or whatever, how, whoever was in the same pool. So, yeah, that sucked. And we had to test every week and spit into a little thing and a little thing. And um, I was lucky I had an office where I could shut my door. So I'd shut my door, take off my mask. But then I'd go walk across campus with my mask on and not see a single soul and be like, this is ridiculous to do this right now. And I was like, I get it. They make us put on our masks outside. So we didn't go in a building. You'll have it on. Because the moment they said no mask out, you don't have to wear them outside anymore on campus. Nobody was wearing them inside. It was just kind of like whatever. And so I was like, yeah, I'm going to another building where I'm going to work in a, long, in a room by myself. And eventually I started taking my mask off. But in the very beginning, it's like killer air. We don't know what. And we're cleaning everything. And it was like, and I went home for like a month, which that's what made me weird. Was <laughs> My only really social interaction was with my girlfriend and my cat. (laughs) This has made me like really weird and to socialize. And so I get it that kids stay. And so I'll never, never, ever like chastise someone for wearing a mask or whatever. I thank you. Um, I hope you know all the science and everything that's going on right now. You could take it off anytime you want, but I'm not going to yell at you because you have it on. I don't know their stories, whatever, but I just see it a lot. And it is not like older people like myself or older. It's, it's 19, 20 year olds. And I, it's kind of shocking to see, but you know, and I was like generation X, I thought handled it. Well, we are so used to uh, being self-sufficient being, I know my parents work jobs. So I was home a lot by myself. So um, being home, they're like, go home. I was like, okay. 
I like it there. It's not a bad place. And it really, like, I've been doing so much in my life and working so much. And the next thing you know, yeah, for, now you're 48. And I'm like, where did the time go? And so there was times in the beginning of COVID where I just remember just sitting on the couch and being like, reflecting on a life. And, and good or bad, however, that may have worked out. But I was like, reflecting on life going, I've done some things. I earned these groans and cracks and creaks. I've done some things with my life. And maybe, you know, and that's kind of was, let's talk about it. And that's what the podcast kind of came about. And every once in a while we'd get into COVID. It was a hard subject because, yeah, once you open your mouth, you know, it was a hard subject to talk about because people took it politically or, and stuff like that. But I was like, I just want to see how people coped with it, like doing um, homeschooling, doing, you know, living in smaller communities. Um, and that, and like a lot of people that didn't live in Wyoming, and I was like, I was like, Laramie, we didn't have many cases because, well, we all had all the scientists. So we instantly masked up. But I was like, if you shut down the roads, it can't come to Laramie. Like, if you don't have in and outs, it can't get here. Like, and you live in Lander, right? Yeah. Yeah. Lander. Not everyone just, just randomly walk, drives into Lander all the time. Like, you're, you're a, the third case in the state. Yeah. So. I mean, it was like, and so like places like that, I'm like, yeah, live freely. Like, because you don't have access to this thing because no one's coming there and not, and for good reasons, or I mean, just off the beaten path. When they would always say like six feet like apart, I was like, that's a bit close in Wyoming. I'm going to need another couple. Absolutely. We, yeah. we social distance all the time. I mean, yeah. that's, that's how we live. Yeah. yeah. But, so, but the really good news and yeah. you know, just exactly what you're doing is uh, one of one of the blessings of COVID, right? Regardless of how you feel about anything else. Yeah. Most people took a, a step back going, okay, yeah. what am I doing? Where am I investing? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Do I need to be on this durable wheel? What else should I be doing? What else do I want to be doing? Yeah. And, you know, you found that. I found that. Um, I think a lot of people found that or made different decisions based off of, wow, you know, finally I can I can take an inventory of my life and decide, do I like where I am? And if I don't, wow, I, I am. I am still a girl in America and I still can yeah. choose my path and I can yeah. decide to do something different. Um, and so, yeah, that's what I did too. Yeah. I, it was, and it sucks that you would hear all these other stories and I was like, we're all in the same boat. I'm all in the same storm, but we're not all in the same boat. And I know we can't treat or have the same views towards COVID as someone that lives in New York city where it just stacked upon people. Um, and in Wyoming going, I don't know, don't wear a mask. And I'm like, eh. well, around that many people, you might want to, because there might be other things out there. The flu went down while we had COVID. Sure. So I was just like, I get it. I understand that each their own. Um, but it is interesting now how everybody starts working from home, which I think is going to be kind of how we're, where you're talking about the kids um, might not be the best thing. Um, and I embrace now every social like opportunity like tailgating <laughs> our class reunion all this stuff where i'm like i probably didn't give as much energy in the past and now i'm like ah oh, people oh it's good to be around you i don't know how long this is gonna last so i'm gonna i mean like 
who knows what's coming and i was like it's just great to be around you and 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 putting a lot of energy into it because i was just like man i saved it up while i was home or not doing anything like it was probably the best time to buy a car because i was i bought my car in 2016 and i i remember i would drive to work and back working back working back working back no trips working back and i was like looking at the overall mileage and i was like wow i did not drive it oh yeah we're all sitting at home because i was like i i take trips when i can i'll drive i like to drive airports are fun i'm not scared of planes or anything but i'd rather drive in the long run but yeah it's uh i'm interested to see I don't want another pandemic, but I'm interested to see how they handle the next one. Maybe I'll see it from afar. I don't know. Like, I want to see how, if we've learned anything from this one, or if we can get ahead of it um, better and be like, all right, this is what we're doing. Watch mental health. This is what we're going to do. We're going to check in, all that stuff. I wonder, I know us Americans don't necessarily learn that quickly, but um, I wonder where it's going to go with that, but I don't want to see another pandemic. So knock on wood, none of that stuff. As long as we are around and everything. And so I got one last question for you. And this is uh, a question asked for everybody on the show. And we kind of alluded to it in the beginning when we were off, off show before the show happened. And uh, since the show is called all my friends, Justin Flaskrude, how'd we meet? I don't know. Yeah, okay. I think this is what this is what I remember. Yeah, There's no wrong answer. Okay, I think you were a friend of a friend. Yeah. And so um, you had your locker was in the the hall where Mr. Schmuels had um, U.S. history. Okay. Or if you did not have a locker, you were always there. Yeah. You were sure. always there. I don't know. Maybe Ray had a locker there, or who else? Brett Moniz, maybe like, I don't know who it was that had lockers down there, but you guys were always kind of huddled in that, that general area. Yeah. Um, and so I would see you and that group of guys when I'd go to us history uh-huh. and, um, you had a white t-shirt. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think what it had on huh. it. Um, uh, anyway, I, I that's just- that's just what comes to my mind when I think of That's Justin, cool. like my t-shirt, this hall. Um, yeah, I, we weren't overly friendly and I probably wasn't either, but um, I, is that, what, what's your oh, name? I mean, was that senior year, you think? Yeah, no, oh, junior, junior year. Junior year, I'm trying, oh wow, now I don't remember that locker was at. Um, I do remember my senior year was, I think in that general area. Um, this, I was thinking about this other day, um, when you you were helping out with the reunion stuff, um, when I moved here in eighth grade, I was over at Kurt Kelly's house, and I think Gabe Aragon was there. And either Kurt called you or you called him. I'm pretty sure he probably called you. And somehow I got on the phone with you. What? Yeah, yeah, and and talked for a little bit. I mean, it was the summer before my eighth grade year. Yeah, because I lived on the same street as Kurt. And uh, I remember Gabe being there too. I, he might have been. But yeah, I remember like going, yeah, you should talk to Sage and my friend. And next thing I know, I was talking to you on the phone. It's like, right on. And Okay, well, that's awkward. Um, yeah, no, but I mean, I'm not expecting you to remember the eighth grade summer, but it just came to me. 
because I was like, we reconnected. I mean, I remember you definitely growing up with you and Laramie and everything like that. And you were in track and I did a year of track and stuff like that in my junior year. And, but yeah, I was like, well, we weren't like in the same, like the, co- you know, it was like yeah. that one person removed, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, definitely. I didn't. Did you throw? Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. So I wasn't around field events, right? Yeah. Like I'm in the distance, I'm trying to stay underneath the, the grandstands and you're out there checking a ball as far as you, you know what I mean? So yeah. Oh yeah. Things. Or, well, I mean, any sort of socializing would have been on the bus and, um, I would fall asleep all the time on the buses. They was just, it's part of being car sick. I don't get like physically, like I'm going to throw up, but if I'm not driving, I could have the best sleep in the world the night before I could have perfect amount of sleep. And it's just like the, just the, the move of the road and the scenery going by. I like, I really want to sleep. Well, and I was probably listening to music somehow. So probably my own non-social ways of not talking to a whole lot of people on the buses. It wasn't anything against them. It was just, how I was at and there's a lot of time where I needed to sleep and and so I was like I can't wait to go on this trip because I'm gonna sleep so much and because it was a lot I mean going on sports and education and lifting and yeah and I was always on other trips and yeah especially my senior I did DECA stuff and so I was like any type of sleep and that age want to sleep it just kind of happens and uh so yeah I I do remember that conversation back when I was at Kurt's house and he talked to you on the phone, I was bringing it up. We'll have to get in the same room together uh, and, and talk about, see if this is legit. If I'm just pulling it out of the air, um, the meeting close to Mr. Samuel's history class probably makes more sense more of a later time. But <laughs> um, I do remember that for sure. Uh, but yeah, Ray always says I have the best memory. And I go, I always say, if it's in short term, probably not, but it's in long term. It's there for a while. And wow. I was like, I don't have any kids and you're meant to forget things and delete files in your brain. So you filled your brain up with all your great kid memories. I still remember conversations from eighth grade. <laughs> I don't want a photographic memory. It would have been helpful in a lot of things, but they say people that have photographic memories go crazy. Yes, because they can't they have too much they don't know what's reality in their head because they can remember an eighth grade conversation like it was it was yesterday and i don't want that mm-hmm. yeah i know you were meant to forget but i do have a good one and you give me a few details about certain times and i'm like here's the story wow and awesome. yeah it's i i hope i keep it forever and and now like those stories have come up and now i've put it to audio and digital with these these podcasts and so in the future we can all reflect documenting all over the place we can reflect on some times that we might have forgotten and go yes 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 i remember talking on that podcast i'm gonna listen to it or or maybe one of your friends on the podcast and you gotta listen to their stories which are just as fun and that's why i did it i know none of us are really hardcore celebrities by any means so well, besides uh, you. <laughs> no, no, I've had a few guys that are in bands, like uh, Chancey Williams, Younger Brothers. I've had a few guys from their band. Um, Teenage Bottle Rockers punk band. Uh, an, an artist not too long ago that I've met through the radio station that I have. And so they're legit, like, rock stars. And and so um, it was good to have them. And they call me their friend. So uh, it's always good to, to have them on the show and they get the listeners. 
and, and so uh, yeah it's fun and and learning their life story on on how the world made them and shaped them like i've learned yours and yeah, I learned- I'm not overly interesting but i appreciate the invite it was awesome just to to talk with you and get to know you better too and um thanks for inviting me and this has been this has been really great to get to know you share a little bit about who i am have you share who you are because seriously you when i didn't know why you were called rude but yeah. kind of that's what i thought you were was kind of uh, rude yeah right? that makes sense so i thought that that was you know the the guy's nickname that you're just yeah. which is just horrible because that wasn't that wasn't true at all you're just a big soft heart yeah oh it like people ask my friends they're like when they're like oh it's my buddy rude and they're kind of like you know which is a good reaction to have to someone named rude and they're like oh and they're like is he really rude and they're like oh no he's one nice guy you ever met it's kind of one of those shorty things for tall guys lefty yeah it is that kind of that way but the initial reaction to the nickname people are kind of like oh and i was like you won't forget it i'll tell you that but i was like i'm not i don't live up to it and i explained it's part of my last name and they're like oh and i was like they say i'm a nice guy i believe i'm a nice guy so <laughs> but I've loved having the nickname and it's worked out for me, but I don't live up to the true definition of it. boy, Make your mama proud. I want to thank Sidra for being on the show. It was a great time. Now, I forgot to bring up this memory from eighth grade. But it was a school assembly, and during the assembly, I think I remember Sidra and some of the other girls in eighth grade did a lip sync to Tiffany's I Think We're Alone Now. Now, my eighth grade self really enjoyed it. Uh, It was a good memory for me and probably inspired me to do future lip syncs since, you know, these girls in Laramie, kind of the popular girls, did this lip sync in front of the whole school so why couldn't i do it and if i'm wrong about that memory i'm sorry and i would like to be sorted out on the details that i may have messed up maybe sidra wasn't in it but i do remember a lip sync uh i think we're alone now tiffany and a bunch of girls from eighth grade doing this lip sync i would like to know what the the assembly was for i would yeah and how this lip sync came together all right on to the next episode All my friends, all my friends, all my friends with Justin Flaskerud. All my friends, all my friends, all my friends with Justin Flaskerud.